Hey everyone, welcome to this podcast at Whole Life Church, yet to be renamed. Have we talked about that this week? We didn't. I feel like we should just call it The Whole Life. The Whole Life. Just The Whole Life. The Whole Life. We cover everything. We don't even have to say podcast. They know that. It's if you're listening, life. you know it's a podcast. The Whole Life. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe uh, Maybe that's it. Maybe that is it. Are we going to have to take a vote? I mean, do we have to include I others in this? I think there's probably going to be four or five others online that will probably say, nah. nah. Who knows? Well, no. if, if you have an opinion, now's the time because we do take your questions, which you know we do that. So you can send your suggestions to 407-965-1607. That's we, text message. We should get some suggestions. Yeah, let's After do After all, that idea just came right out of my head. Yep. So that wasn't there was no thought to it. It was yeah. just boom. Yeah. Or send it in an email, podcast at wholelife.church, and we will take it under advisement or yeah. not. We, we can't promise anything at this point because it's too new. We just – I mean I entertained Ken's idea because he's sitting here. So <laughs> I mean what, what was I supposed to do? So anyway, let's get down to business. This past week we talked about our value of love here at the Whole Life Church. And as I mentioned as the host of The Loop this week, as Ken and I sat down, we did a little post-message Q&A that if you came to church or if you'd looked up online and said, I wonder if we're talking about a church this week. Oh, love. Well, this ought to be good, warm and fuzzy, lots of lots – of, like all the feels. No, that wasn't the sermon we got this week. I'm sorry, Randy. No, and it was, it was good because those are the ones that usually take you by surprise and they change the way you think about things a little bit. And so, you know, you, we were, I was really thinking a little bit more milk message – not so much meat message is what I, what I was thinking. I mean, I'm from Wisconsin, so maybe the dairy played into that. I'm not really sure how that worked. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you would have been wrong. And um, that's why Ken, as our senior pastor, is a firm handshaker. He's not a betting man. I've learned that, and he keeps leading by example week after week. Don't bet on it. See what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Ooh, yeah. Thank you. Ooh, Ooh, transition yeah. there. Yeah, we like that. <laughs> Thanks for picking up on that. I, I like that. That's nice. Uh, so the word I can't get out of my head this week, and I'm going to be honest and going to be completely transparent here, is indifference. Okay. So speaking for myself here, but okay. So what? What do we? You almost did a parable of a parable. You know, in, in, a, in a little bit, you help set it up. Give me two people, someone that you respect, or and you can even. And I liked how you said. You know, maybe it's not just one person. I, I liked your optimism that maybe we only had one person that we really <laughs> liked, that we had all the values we liked, and then disliked her because I, I allowed you to have two people that you respected. Oh, that's right, it was two, two but two it, it could be a whole group of people you right. didn't. So I think you were. I think you were just. You know, you probably have your finger on the pulse of what's happening. Doing knowing, my best, knowing that there'd probably be more of the, in the other category, possibly, just just possibly, but. So you retell the story of the Good Samaritan. It's Juneteenth, and the most popular and well-known Bible verses on love. You mix them all up in a big pot, and indifference has changed the way I look at this. Okay. So first off, and before we get into that, why isn't just being good enough? Well, I mean, we all know love isn't easy. So we know that if we have to tackle this, it's already going to be difficult. I mean, anyone that's been in a relationship or, you know, if you've been married— you know it's not easy. So why why can't we just follow the rules, and let the law kind of be enough, or maybe a combo? I'm 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 advocating for the combo. A little bit of law, a little bit of love, kind of sounds like law and love. Sounds like an eighty sitcom, but maybe we can find some happy some happy place here. Ken, we don't have to talk about indifference and stuff. You know, the funny thing about that is, is that <laughs> if you go ahead and, and set out rules, people always sink to the lowest common denominator. If you if you say let's live by rules. 
people do the least that they can to fulfill that rule. And that's what I love about Jesus is that if you felt like you were slapped in the face on Sabbath <laughs> at church, um, that's really what Jesus did to his listeners routinely, and that's what he exactly did to that expert on the law who came. He gave him a good wake-up call. Yeah. Oh, that's I like that. Yeah, wake good wake-up call. call because um, – I don't know whether you had any conversation with your family on the way home, but uh, my kids were like, so who did you think of, Dad? Who <laughs> who passed you by? Everybody knows. <laughs> and, and, but, and my children are like, Dad, I can't believe you walked past us on the pathway. <laughs> and then they had the people that they thought of that they – and the funny thing is I'm listening to my uh, my children. They're like, that was really hard because the person that I respect, the person that I really like – walks past and this person that that I loathe. <laughs> yes. Oh, not that they loathe anybody, but if they did. Right. That person's the one that helped me out. That just doesn't doesn't feel right. It doesn't sync up. That would never happen. But that's exactly the way Jesus tells the story. I mean, that is just exactly how it smacked his listeners in the face when they when they heard it. Now, I do want to say that you are one of three pastors who have done the the good Samaritan justice at this church. Because the last two times, the last time Jeff did a sermon on the Good Samaritan and Andy, I remember we had a lot of people with things to say and ideas and and, and the same kind of feeling. So I don't know, maybe we've got them, you know, maybe we need to start some (laughs) kind of an online series for, you know, retelling this story because everyone's perspective is so unique about it. But I I just, when I knew you were going there, I was like, wow, this is going to be fun. Because I, th- those are two sermons that stuck out in my mind as I thought back through different bits and pieces. And it always is a little bit different spin than what you just know or you add a little historical conf- you know, context. Or here you just go, okay, plug in the people you loathe, plug in the people that you like. And then the people that like that you like dissed you and the people that you loathe were the ones that you know spent the extra money out of their pocket and made sure you were okay. They – you know. Yeah, I think we're. I think it's in good company because I think that's the whole gist of this story is that Jesus in the beginning, when he uses the story, he flips it anyway. And uh, so we get a chance to see, you know, this con- the context of this story in, in a way that sometimes, like Ken mentions, is sort of a wake-up call. We, we get complacent when we start to make our own heroes, especially the hero becomes becoming us. And that's where Jesus – flips this story and as Ken did the same thing, our heroes all of a sudden went running away or at least in a way that was disinterested. And I think that's good. I think that's a that's a good place for us to look at love. It's a good start because indifference does – it does sort of ruin the story in a way. We like to think of hate and we like to – we think, we think of those things and we want to be able to do battle when we when we don't see somebody loving yeah. and all of a sudden we go, whoa, it's true. Like I got to stop and think. That's well, the, and it also it. made me think to myself that – and maybe I'm the only one. I'll raise my hand. But that I am on somebody's list of the, <laughs> of the, of the loathe and, and not on the – you know, they're not looking up to me. They don't. You know, they don't have that respect for me. They're thinking of me as that other person. And I was yep. like, man, I wonder if there's anyone in this room that's going like that guy on stage. I I don't really like him that much. Or he said something to me. You know, I mean, because we've all we've all had those. I mean, I have people that I immediately thought of, and I was like, one of the people were in the room, 
And I, that's 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 sad. You're gonna leave every single one of your listeners really paranoid right now. <laughs> yeah, no, right? Yeah, no. Like was, at the table was for it those I? of you listening. It wasn't you. <laughs> there you go. Because I don't think they listen. No, I don't know for sure if they do or not. But no, it's true because we've all had we've all had our disagreements. We've all said things that maybe didn't come out the right way, either intentionally or unintentionally or sort of. But that's where this indifference thing drives is driving me crazy because there's so little. To get, I mean, indifference happens every day. Indifference happens when you get in your car and it just, oh, I kind of see them over there, but they can take the ditch. I don't care. I'm not moving. Or I just, I'm just, I'm zoning out. I'm, I'm just not paying attention. I'm, I'm not seeing you. I'm not seeing you. I'm just living life. That's indifference in a lot of ways. So if the bar is indifference, then you messed it all up. And it's good. It's good that you messed it up, right? That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to get something out of coming to church and not just being together. Well, but that's exactly what I think is. I think so many people congratulate themselves on not being hateful. I don't hate anybody. No, for I sure. don't. But if they're asked to actually do something that's loving for a person that is not of their uh, political persuasion, their worldview, their whatever it is, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not going to hurt them. I'm not going to do anything mean to them, but I'm not necessarily going to love them. Right. And yet that's exactly what what I think God wants from us, that, that we see God displaying that. You know, he, he sends he, – the Bible tells us that he sends his blessings on the righteous and the unrighteous, that he, he takes care of and loves all. He watches over all. And I think that's just an important thing for us as Christians to be reminded that it's not just enough to not actively hate somebody, that, that even – even indifference is a, is something that God would have us root out of our lives. I think it's interesting in Revelation, two of the churches that, that God really gets after is the first church, which says you've lost your first love. He didn't say you've lost your love. He said you've lost your passionate love, basically that first love that you had for me. He gets after them, and he actually th- that church is actually says, I will remove your candlestick. <laughs> he doesn't say that to any of the other churches. Yeah. It's the only one. I mean, and then the final church, he says, I wish you were hot or cold. The Church of Laodicea, I wish you were hot or cold. I wish you were one or the other, but you're not. You're just lukewarm. You're indifferent. You're indifferent. And I think it really goes to that. I just think that that um, I don't know that I think that God is suggesting that he wants people to be hateful um, <laughs> over indifferent. But what I do think God is suggesting is that from his perspective, when we fall short of love, we have fallen short. Because anything less than love is indifference. And it doesn't have to be hate. It just how many times you know when you just think to yourself in small conversation, and I'm not even talking about people that you loathe or that you don't like. It's just people that sometimes you know are just going to be an extra five minutes, and you're like, ah. I think you said something about in your message. You know, I'm driving and I, I don't see or you know, you, it's not necessarily always intentional, but it's almost like I've seen this person so many times. I just automatically go into, oh, if I look out there, I'll see my car in the parking lot. It almost becomes – you can just totally in your mind go, this is okay. And in actuality, I mean maybe this should be the new slippery slope because there's nowhere to step on this where it's not going to be completely slippery. And just being nice can be indifferent. And I, this, so this has really stuck with me and I've been kind of processing through this. And I've kind of felt like, you know, those people and the one person that was there, I'm like, you know, maybe I owe this person an apology today. <laughs> maybe I should. And then they were gone. That was truth. Mm. So, but, you know, like maybe this should be something I try ooh, a little bit harder now because in a way I've seen that 
through even just the parable that there is, you know, maybe this person, maybe they would do that. And, you know, would I do that? Goodness, I hope so. But does, it, ma- so. But does it matter if they would do that? It, does, it doesn't. At the end of the day, it, it shouldn't. And, and it doesn't because I think at the end of the day, we all hope that maybe the, mo- the worst among us in society would stop and help or, I mean, a homeless guy a couple of weeks ago, I was putting oil in my truck down by, right down by the church at the 7-Eleven. I was like, oh man, it must be low. It goes through a lot of oil. And I was outside and this homeless guy came by and he had quarts of oil. And I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what he needed quarts of mortar oil in his basket for, but he's got mortar oil. And he's like, you got everything you need? Uh, everything okay? Uh, pretty handy with tools. Like, well, I'm just putting a couple of quarts of oil in. But, you know, he had no need to stop. He had, and maybe he was lonely. Maybe he just wanted to talk to someone, make a friend. And uh, so I let him dump in some of the quarts and he wanted to help. And I was like, okay. But it was a weird, it it felt weird that day. And then as you're (laughs) preaching this message, it's all starting to come together where, like, well, if, if I would hope that he would help and he took the time to stop, didn't know me from anybody, he didn't ask me for anything. So it didn't matter whether I said yes or no to him, apparently. You know, one of the stories, we were uh, kind of pressed for time in that sermon. I went a little bit longer than I, I should have uh, overall, but there's a story that that I didn't include um, that was kind of a wake-up call for me. Uh, I was out with a, a cousin of mine who doesn't attend church um, unless, you know, somebody's died or there's some major reason to, major, to yeah. be there. And we pulled up to an intersection, and he says, hey— uh, can we pull into Burger King? I'm like, okay. And he grew up in the kind of the same family structure that I did. We both were raised vegetarian, that sort of thing. And so we pull into Burger King and we go through the drive through. I'm like, I was like, I was kind of weird because we were headed to the mall together. And I was like, <laughs> and, and so we, <laughs> they have a food there court, is you know? a food court there. And he was like, no, no, I just want to go there. So he orders like three cheeseburgers or whatever and a milkshake and, and some other stuff. And uh, and I remember actually being judgmental. I was like, man, why are you – okay, so you were vegetarian. You're not vegetarian anymore. And I don't care if people are vegetarian or right, But yeah. you know what I'm – it's like, wow, you know, it's like look at all I the – I knew you, bro. Look at all the things that you have decided <laughs> that you're going to do differently in life. And got really – you know, got a little – you know, if I'm honest, I got a little judgmental. And so we we pull out of the um, Burger King, and he says, "Hey, can you pull over to the side of the road?" And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> <Wow>. okay. <laughs> so he jumps out of the car, he grabs that bag that we have full of food that he just ordered, and he runs it over to a homeless guy who was standing by the side of the road with a with a sign asking for for um, money or food. Hands it to the guy, jumps in the car, and never says another word about it to me. It's just, and we we head out. And that was that was the biggest slap in the face I think I've had. I don't know that you need to help every single person by the side of the road, but what really struck me is I hadn't even noticed the person by the side of the road. Yeah. And if I had, I don't think I would have thought much about that anyway. I would have gone on my way. And so the guy who goes to church is a pastor, is indifferent. Sure. And my cousin who doesn't go to church is the one that notices a need and then gets judged by me <laughs> while he's fulfilling that need. I wonder how much that happens in our lives. I wonder how often we look at other people and we see what they're doing and we misunderstand it. 
Yeah. And we never see them actually hand the bag to somebody else. You know what I'm saying? There's so many times I think that we we look and we judge the motives of other people when we, when we don't even begin to understand what's really going on and what's really going on in their heart. And I can tell you that day, um, for sure, my, my, my cousin was the Christian and it wasn't me. Yeah, that's, I, I, that's easy to do. Right? I think that's – and that's part of the problem with – with with apathy and with indifference is is that we we tend to be complacent within our own judgments or in our own assessments of of ourselves and others whereas and and I I'll go back to I don't think Jesus would say I wish you would hate instead of having apathy I mean I think what he's saying is it's right in revelation I I wish you were hot or cold so you could kind of get off this kind of self-righteous post that you've been sitting on. And I think that's the issue is just like your story, we all tend to have this idea that I'm okay right where I'm at. I don't need to bother myself because it's, you know, I'm already on this really good path that God has me on. And I think that's the problem with apathy. That's why Jesus is saying you don't you don't get up off of anything when you have this kind of complacency yeah. or, or indifference. So, you know, I think that's what Jesus is calling us to do. He says, stop, look around you and realize you've got a place to love right where you're at. And you just don't even see it because you're so complacent. Oof. Well, I think that's always been like the story of the 99 and the one lost sheep. To me, as someone who was away from church for a long time and have a lot of friends outside, and I've seen a lot of those people who – Someone would look and say, "Oh, their car's at the bar again, or you know they're they're at this place again, or you know they're they're doing this to their life and and yet you see and you see so many people in that frame that do so much good that again, you just don't see it unless you know them, and even if you know them, you find out surprises all the time and I think part of part of the i don't want to say problem maybe it's, it, it, well it's a problem, but is if you've been in Maybe just a Christian your whole life, and you've never had that those any of those serious more serious sidebars. Maybe you just haven't been exposed to it enough, and the realization really isn't there. And that's why I love things like when we do community projects and we do meet, worship, serve, and you you meet people, other people, and a lot of you you'll find a lot of people that serve in those even Christian organizations that volunteer aren't Christian. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are just like <laughs> that was me. Because I was that person that needed the help. All right. This past week, speaking of the loop, we have a couple more questions that we didn't get to because we were behind all day because some guy thought it was a good idea to have his Just wife kept do a talking. Car experience. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying some guy kept talking. In, oh, in well, sermon, that guy. So. You can't stop him. So that, <laughs> that we knew. But uh, By the way, that prayer experience, if you guys didn't watch the, the church service, that prayer experience You need to watch it. Not listen to it. Yeah, you need to watch it. It was really good. Your wife did amazing. I had to twist her arm to do the the screen version of it because we were going to write it on things, and that makes it a little more personal. It's a little more time-consuming. I'm like, we don't have the time, so it's got to be digital this time. And I thought it, it was re- awesome. It really was, though. It yeah. came out very well. Okay, Trafina Powell-Brown. She said, Pastor, please give me a practical way to teach out to my convict neighbor or one who I am scared of committing a hate crime towards me. I saw that one, and I think she was talking to you, Pastor Jeff. That she was. <laughs> you were on the front row, were you, Jeff? I think the camera panned to him at that time. No, yeah, that's. I mean, what a fair and good yeah, question. Yeah, it's a good question. And yeah. and, it, and it, I think it goes to one of the things that I'm going to be talking about this coming week, which yeah, is ex- we're going to be talking about acceptance. 
And the the tricky thing with love, because acceptance is something, as I mentioned in uh, the loop, um, all of our values flow out of love, right? And acceptance is part of that. And so the question is, how do you be accepting of a person who's dangerous? Hmm. Um, what does that look like? What does it mean to love and accept um, somebody who could potentially hurt you, hurt others? Um, it's one of the issues that we always wrestle with in, in churches about you know when you have child predators wh- who have been convicted of things. What does it mean to be accepting of them? if they've served their time and and so on and so forth. Um, These are the things that we have to wrestle with. And I think that one of the things, again, in Christian circles, we sometimes have a poor understanding is that it's not unloving to have boundaries. Right. It's not unloving to say this this is not acceptable and I'm not going to allow it. That doesn't mean I don't love you. But it does mean that I am going to go ahead and protect myself and protect others from behavior that could be hurtful. And so, when it comes to witnessing to a neighbor that she's, a, you know, that she's afraid that a hate crime could be committed against her, one of the things I would say is, you know, obviously as Christians, one of the things we'll say is, well, you know, Christ was self-sacrificing, so you know, put yourself in that. danger, maybe you know, <laughs> yeah. And and I would I would just say. Be careful about that. Um, yeah. I think there's there's obviously times that God calls people to certain things that aren't safe. Sure. There, that's for sure. But there's also just healthy wisdom when it comes <laughs> yeah. to witnessing. And sometimes maybe that neighbor, the safest thing that – was it Trefina? Uh, Trefina, correct. Tra- yeah, the Trefina, maybe the safest thing Trefina could do would be to be a good neighbor, mm. yeah. you know, to – to live a life in a way that shows rather than necessarily um, going into into the neighbor's house and trying to do a Bible study or something, but maybe just being a good neighbor, being kind, you know, doing the little things that exemplify who Christ is that puts Rafina in a place that keeps her safe, but at the same time, Reflects Christ and Jeff, you're a you're a trained counselor, so you may be in many <laughs> well, ways. Well, it's interesting, um, and that's a good good analogy of of how you look at being a good neighbor. Well, the story of the Good Samaritan actually is, I mean, those those hatreds ran deep. It was a real political issue back then, and now whether the story was true or not, it, it could have been true. But um, here's here's this person who very easily could have maybe was very prejudiced against the Samaritans and who maybe never even accepted help sure. from a Samaritan. But he's laying there literally maybe bleeding out and two of his friends go by and this this Samaritan thinks about it from the standpoint of my life's not in danger right now. Or this is an opportunity that God's laid before me. I, you know, whatever is going through his mind, but he acted. Yeah. But he, but he was being assertive in a context that was actually easy for him to do that. Now, being a good neighbor for Trefina might be that way of looking for those opportunities where you're you're not going to put yourself in a dangerous situation, but maybe find opportunities where you can. You can act. You can be a good neighbor 
in a, in a, in a safe place but also in a time where maybe the opportunity presents itself, sure. like, much like the Samaritan. Hey, this is my time to act. Well, I think that when we put our lives into God's hands, when we talk to God about it, when we say, God, what, how can I be a good neighbor yeah. to this person next door that I'm, I'm afraid of? Mm-hmm. What would that look like? Can you open up opportunities for me? I, I think the biggest problem we get is when we try to create opportunities create. for ourselves. Yeah. And this... whereas when God, when we allow it, it's amazing how God can organically allow things to happen where we don't have to knock down a door. But Literally, God Just opens the door for yeah. us. And it may be passive. Mm-hmm. Sure. It may be something easy. Well, Heather mentioned in that prayer experience that like directly across the street from us is a registered pedophile. And you know, when we moved there, of course, he'd already lived there. We didn't know that. Not that we probably – we probably would have moved anyway. I mean but when you – there's a, a real sense of danger when you have two young girls. And so you're trying to you know, polite – and then he's very awkward socially. I mean, there's a lot more going on than just this is, you know, I think the result was of more things that are uh, maybe effect, he's affected with or afflicted with. But, you know, trying to be just trying to be kind, trying to, to be nice. And I don't feel danger myself personally. Um, I do for my for my girls, obviously. So, Trafina, that's a great question. And I hope that we've at least touched on a few things. But just trying, I mean, for me, it was just, Get over the fact that this is really uncomfortable for me and I really have these – I have all kinds of biases that are out there and some for good reason. Like you said, you want to make sure that you're protecting yourself and we don't just look away and go, well, I don't see that danger. But it's uh, it's tricky. The other part I would just tell her is that you know there is counsel in the wisdom – or there's wisdom in the counsel of many. And so yeah. sometimes it's a really good idea if you have an idea of yeah, a way to – just them. to run it past a there couple people that you – know, love you and care about you and really listen to what they have to say and think, oh, that, that might not be a good idea. <laughs> I do believe God speaks through the people that we love to us. Absolutely. I agree. All right. Uh, Chatty Ellie 25, would you say community is there to help and guide us through love? Can you repeat that? Would you say community is there to help and guide us through love? Yes. Thank you. Matter of fact, I think it actually goes to the first question. Is 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 it's basically? Uh, I think those are the kind of things that community can actually help out in. Can yeah, I think we can't understate community. Yeah, I mean the whole. Uh, we sometimes take when in Genesis, uh, what is it two? When when God says that it's not good for man to be alone, we we make that the case why everybody should be married. married. But that's yeah, not <laughs> that's not the point that God was getting to. The point that God was getting to is that He created us for a relationship with each other, and that we. Whether you're married or single, you were created to be in relationship, and community is what guides us and helps us. It's what keeps us strong. It's what lifts us up when we're weak. There you go. All right. And then finally from Stanton7. Stanton, you got to come up with a better name for your username if you don't want us to know who you are. But we all <laughs> know who Stanton is. That's, he said – okay, that was probably a typo. Juneteenth today, how does love work today for those whose ancestors were – the enslavers. Pastor, how do you suggest celebrating Juneteenth in the light of Luke? So for those who have ancestors that were slave owners, how would they right. best celebrate Juneteenth? And how does love work for those people? I think uh, it starts off by recognizing that the pain is is still palpable. Um, 
couple years after the Civil War. A few. Yeah, and, and I think that it's – I think that – for a lot of people that are, are my uh, melanonin type, you know, that are light, um, that are white, um, it's easy for us to view the things as ancient history and having no particular relevance today. And just from conversations that I have I, with, with my friends that don't look like I do, I can say very unequivocally that there is a lot of pain out there still. And I think that if my grandfather had harmed somebody, and I'm sure he's a human being, so I'm sure he did, but if I knew that my grandfather had harmed somebody or done something harmful, even though I didn't do it, I would still apologize on behalf of my family and say I'm sorry for what happened there. I, that that wasn't right. And so I think it, it is important for us to verbalize our understanding that the past still plays a role in the present yeah, and that uh, not only are we sorry for the past, but that we recognize we can do better in the present. When we, yeah. I think it goes back too to the indifference piece. Uh, I, I think the last thing we would want to be is indifferent to that pain right, and, yeah. and to absolutely engage in a conversation saying, I, you know, I, I am here today, you're here today. Um, but I cannot overlook the legacy of pain that has, you know, been caused by my family or whatever, and uh, and so I want to be mindful of that. And how, you know, how can our conversation become healing, you know, for that? Yeah. Well, Stanton, we always appreciate your insight into such issues because you're somebody that is always agreeable. I know it's difficult. We were here when they filmed even the little short piece we did. It's a difficult conversation to have, even just that that small part of it. And Stanton has always been willing to put himself out there. So Stanton, thank you so much for that because we appreciate having these dialogues and these conversations because it's hard to, to even start those conversations because – is it okay to do it? Is now a good time? Is is it ever a good time? These are questions that people just don't really have answers to unless you know if yeah. you have someone like Stanton sitting across from you, it's a say it's going to be a safe place because that's that's his goal is to make it safe so we can we can dialogue. Well, I do think that, you know, in in the context of this holiday, I think it is it should be and I'm I'm glad we do. It should be sure. celebrated. It is a it is a true day of you know, for a number – for all of us actually, it should be part of our history and it should be Absolutely. celebrated. However, the conversation should still be about – I think even when we, we celebrate – you know, we've always celebrated 4th of July as, you know, we've called that an American holiday for for freedom, yet there were many people who were not free during that time. Sure. However, we celebrate and so we do this with the in the context of still – this is today. There still needs to be change. So I think all of us need to realize that there is a change and is the motivation there to make changes for, you know, for freedom for all people so that we can have in a sense the, the communal tie-in to that suffering of, of some group but also the celebration of, of freedom. You know, I think that it, it's important that we – there's a reason why we have holidays. There's a reason why there are monuments. 
Yeah. Um, they're there to remind us. You know, the, the very famous saying, those who don't remember the past are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And I think that in some of our American history, we tend to gloss over some of the ugly parts of American history. And if you don't believe there are ugly parts, then you really have not spent much time in, in, in history books. There are some ugly parts. That doesn't mean America is bad or no. it's a terrible place. It means that we're human. We're part of the human race. And and the point of it is not to wallow in misery, but the point is to say, hey, this is part of our past, but we don't want it to be part of our future. Right. And so let's go ahead and celebrate the part that is beautiful, the the freeing of um, of slaves. Let's let's celebrate that, but let's also remember that we don't want to ever go back. go back to a place where we take any group of people and say they are subhuman or they they don't have the same rights as every other person does. Because we can look around the world and find plenty of places right now where that is the case. Well, honestly, we can look around our own neighborhoods. Well, yeah. Okay. True. I mean, when we if we look around our own neighborhoods, we can see people. That are being treated as less than human. Uh, human trafficking is a is an all time high. Absolutely, it, it's it's a real thing, um, and and we live in a society that, in my opinion, objectifies human beings. We see it uh, in pornography. We see it in the media, where we take people and we make them into objects, and that is making somebody less than human. And so we can look back to slavery a long time ago. And see the results that had on the significant long-term impact that had on African Americans today. Yeah, and we ought to look very carefully and think what the long-term results of objectifying people today, to throwing them into classes and making one class more important than another class, or even the object. You know, where we make somebody an object rather than a living creation of God. Um, that's that's the part that I think we we really got to hang on to. Absolutely, and just to do nothing is just indifferent. It is, and that's that's scary. So I hope I hope you guys enjoyed the message this week as much as I have, because enjoy sometimes is uncomfortable, but enjoying the growth that comes with it is the part that feels good, and it makes you start to think about other things that you otherwise would be indifferent to. And go, yeah, maybe I should pay a little bit more attention to that. And that feels good to do. Yeah, and I hope when people know when I preach, I usually am preaching right at myself. Yeah. Right down the middle. <laughs> There's so I, I often when I and I'm thinking about it, that's one of the things like, oh wow, look at how you're falling short again. <laughs> and so uh you don't you're not have a preacher here who's got it all figured out. It's that we're figuring this out yeah. together and then yep. you know, we can all do better. Good. Um I think that that's another thing that I, I don't want to be as a, as a pastor. I don't want to be objectified. I don't want to be the person that, that the congregation puts up on a pedestal. And don't ask him and, to pray at every meal, please. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Say that again? Don't ask him to pray at every meal. For crying out loud. I can, don't mind doing can that. Can you just That's pray okay. for the food? I can do it. But you know what I'm saying, though? <laughs> no, I, think I, that, I think that sometimes yeah. when we put uh, – I think we see this a lot. When we put pastors and make them less than human beings, when they make mistakes, it, sh- it shakes the faith of people in ways that God never intended. It should. Only right. God should be worshipped. Right. And so I think it's important for us to, to really – uh, you know, I think as a pastor, I have a responsibility to behave well and and to be uh, some a role model. But you can objectify someone in the in what yes. you think is the positive, which yes. is still. I mean, that again, there's it's so easy because you can really like someone, and then man, you say all the right things, and then ooh, mercy, and 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 maybe that at the moment you spoke those things, and they were all right, that the Holy Spirit was moving, and there was no ill intent or malice involved in any way, shape, or form. But then if something – if there's a chink in the armor, it just makes everything else seem like, oh, well, maybe. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we are ready to wrap things up. We didn't have any takeaways this week, but as always, you know, if you had a takeaway that we didn't say, we didn't talk about, we should have talked about, we talked about it, you didn't think we, you didn't agree with what we said, you can always send us feed feedback and we'll put it on the air. 407-965-1607, text or voicemail. We'll play those voicemails. We've done it. Trust me. Podcast at wholelife.church if you are of the email persuasion. The final thoughts to Ken's message, I thought that we're going to use really resonated. He said, we cannot know freedom is available to all, but not provide the power to help others exercise freedom. We must not hate, but we also must not be indifferent. When we see injustice, oppression, hurt, pain, and suffering, we must lovingly act. And you look at the list and you, I mean, I was just, just thinking of some different people in my life from a while ago, from now, all in different parts and pieces, maybe in their journey and how, my prayer was just as I was reading that before when I was preparing was just for God to open, like you said, some of those doors so you don't have to try to figure out how to do it and how to best reach. But just, hey, there's an open door. Let's walk through it. God opened it. It's probably pretty good on the other side. Makes it easy. All right. Uh, next week, what are we on? Going to be talking about the value of acceptance. Oh, acceptance. That's acceptance. Right. Is that yeah. why you were sending out the – texting out the uh, acceptance? Is that, is that, is that anything <laughs> to do with that? Maybe. Maybe. Could be. We'll see. Well, he could tell you, but then he'd have to shake your hand really hard. Something like that. I don't know. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Always, uh, if you missed the message, yeah, you can check out the podcast. But this week, check out The Loop and uh, check out the prayer experience. If some of this is feeling a little bit disconnected, that did a really good job at connecting all the pieces and parts in a really worshipful way. And um, my wife is amazing, so I'll just put that plug in there. And uh, it was very, very something she fretted about all week and prayed hard over. And she's always worried, and they always turn out well because God leads. So that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you all later.